Hello everyone and welcome back to the Gelman Report. I'm your host Ellie Gelman and in today's episode we are going to be talking a little bit about NBA playoff basketball. So it's been around um, a week or so of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, There's been a bunch of games, a lot of excitement, a lot to talk about. But in this episode we're going to be talking about one specific team that has struggled um, in these playoffs a team that is was considered to be um, one of the favorites to win the championship. They are down 2-0 in the playoffs right now. Um, they have two of the best players in the league, two of the best defensive players in the league, um, and they come from Los Angeles, and I am talking about the Los Angeles Clippers. So after losing Game 1 to the Mavs this past Saturday, the Clippers came back to Staples Center, this past Tuesday, and to no surprise, they lost again, going down 2-0 to the Dallas Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. So before getting into the talking about with the Clippers, um, I want to talk about you know the Mavericks. I have to give them credit going up 2-0. Um, in Game 2, Luka Doncic had 39 points, 7 rebounds, and 7 assists. So another amazing performance from him. And then you had Tim Hardaway, who had 28 points, and shot six for eight from uh, deep from from the three point line. So those are the two main scores for this Dallas Mavericks team that led them to this W. But the entire team played really really well, um, especially uh, shooting the ball. They shot fifty eight percent from field um, and fifty eight percent from the three. Um, they hitting eighteen three pointers. That is you know crazy numbers, 53% from the three-point line and hitting 18 of them. If you shoot that percentage um, and hit that many threes, no one's going to beat you, and the Clippers obviously couldn't. Um, But, you know, I think, of course, their offense was amazing, but, you know, I really want to give some credit to their defense. In the second half, it was really their defense that won them this game. There was no stops at all. It was 73-71 to at halftime, uh, but... The Clippers, uh, I mean, the Mavericks really slowed down the Clippers uh, to end the game um, down the stretch in the final uh, few minutes. Uh, so yeah, a lot of credit to the team for shooting well, um, and I have to give a lot of credit to the coaching to the coach and the coaching staff, Rick Carlisle, and he, you know he's been um, a great coach for many years now, and you know he's got his team in a great position up 2-0, up coming uh, going home uh, for the next two games. So enough about the Mavericks this episode is really about is the Clippers. So I usually don't do this. I've never really done this before on the show, but it's this show, this episode is going to be a little bit more of a rant. Um, but you know, before I go on my rant and express my frustration, not really frustration, I don't really like the Clippers. Um, I think they've always been a very cocky team, arrogant. A lot of the players they have talk a lot of trash, I think, for being very, very, you know, mediocre. You know, the only player I think that deserves to talk trash on this team is Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, he doesn't talk um, any trash, but, you know, Paul George talks a lot about, not necessarily trash, but he talks a lot about uh, and gives up the, gives me this vibe that he's one of the best players in the league, but in all, in all honesty, he isn't. Pat Beverly talks a lot about his defense is not a great defender. Marcus Morris is a dirty player and talks a lot of trash, but again, has not been playing uh, well of late. So I don't really like them. I don't like their bad boys type of vibe uh, that they, they give me. So 
I'm a little happy that they're, you know, crumbling, uh, but I have still a few frustrations as a basketball fan. So before that, I just want to talk about, you know, the stars on this team. So Kawhi Leonard, of course, the best player, you know, on the team. He had 30, this game too, he had 30 points at half. Um, he, it, you know, he only scored 11 in the second half, ending the game with 41 points. Uh, so, you know, 11 points in the second half after scoring 30 in the first is a little disappointing. Uh, but, you know, 41, what can you want more from him? Um, especially when he's shooting, uh, you know, a great percentage. He scored 41 in only 21 shots, which is, you know, the opposite of what he did in game one, scoring 28 and 26 shots. So amazing performance by him. Um, and also I have to give credit to Paul George. I know I just did slander him a little bit, but he played pretty well. He had 28 points. He shot 53, 55% from the field. Um, you know, of course, one from seven from the three-point line, playoff P, not a great three-point shooter when it comes to the playoff. Uh, but besides, you know, those missed three-pointers, he played uh, pretty well overall. Um, and, you know, I think the Clippers, the entire roster, especially the two stars who combined uh, for 60 for 69 points, um, they played really well offensively, uh, you know, kept up with the Mavericks uh, 18 three-pointers at, you know, at a 53% shooting clip, uh, but they could not stop anyone on defense, you know, um, they let the Mavs, again, hit 18 three-pointers on them, and, you know, why did they shoot 53% from the line? It's because most of them were open or wide open. I think, you know, 15 of them were considered, 15 of the ones they hit were considered to be open or wide open. So that is just, you know, again, as a team who prides himself on being, you know, having some of the best defensive players in the league, that just is not very good. Um, you know, yeah, so they're supposed to have all these defensive players in Kawhi and Paul George um, and Patrick Beverly and Marcus Morris, um, but not a single one of them could stop this Mavericks team and especially Luka. I saw in one quarter... I saw all four of these defenders switch on to Luka. You know, Kawhi couldn't guard him. Then PG couldn't guard him. Pat Beverly couldn't guard him. Marcus Morris couldn't guard him. They had no one on this team that could stop him. And again, they talk all this trash and all this all this nonsense, and especially from last year um, when, you know, I thought Marcus Morris, I think, is a dirty player. He, had the, he has the history of being a dirty player on the Knicks. Um, and then I think intentionally stepping on Luka's ankle last year. They do all this and talk all this trash, but then they lose and they get 39 points dropped off on their head by Luka Doncic and they get 18 three-pointers hit in their faces. So I think that they played well offensively, but defensively they have a lot to work on. And so I think some of the blame has to go on the stars. If you're the best players in the league, that which Kawhi Leonard did, it, Kawhi Leonard is and Paul George is an all-star and if you're of that caliber of a player you have to take some of the blame it doesn't matter if you know you play perfectly you have to take the blame maybe you didn't play well so great defensively maybe you didn't play so well offensively maybe you should have been a better leader maybe you should have you know you know shared the ball more maybe you missed a rebound maybe you know anything you have to if you're the star you have to take some credit you have to take some blame for a hard loss like this so yes I do give some blame to Kawhi who only scored 11 points in the second half. I do give some blame to PG, who missed six three-point six three-pointers and shot one from seven from the three-point line. So I have to give them some blame for this. But I think most of the blame has to go on the coach, Ty Lu, Tyron Lu. I th before I you know I give my frustrations again. I think Tyron Lu is a good coach. So start off, most of the 
great coaches in this league, you know, have been players. Um, you know, Steve Kerr has been a player. Doc Rivers has been a player. Um, you know, Phil Jackson was a player. Uh, Greg Popovich played basketball, um, you know, in college, and I think a little bit in the NBA. I might be mistaken, but you know, a lot of the players, a lot of the great coaches in the league have been surrounded by basketball their entire career and have even played in the league. And, you know, that's exactly what Tyron Lue is. He was a player who played in the finals with great Laker teams, with great players, with Kobe Bryant and, you know, Shaq and Robert Ory, Gary Payton, Carl Malone, great players like that. And he's won championships with the Lakers. Um, and, you know, as a player. And then as a coach, he's been, when he was hired as the, as the coach of the Cavaliers, he was a pretty good coach. And I know people always mention, people always joke that LeBron runs the team, that he's the coach. But no, the coach has an effect. And he won a championship with the Cavs, with LeBron and the Cavaliers in 2016. So he is a coach who has won championships, who is as a player and as a, and as a coach, and has a lot, a lot of playoff experience as both a player and a coach. But he has not been playing he has not not been playing. He has not just he has not been a good coach this past this in these two playoff games. Specifically his rotations. Let's just get into, you know, the first issue. Patrick Beverly. Again, he is one of the most overrated players in the league. Don't get me started. He can't play defense. He's just too small. He fouls out all the time. Fouls all the time. Huge complainer, you know, just not a great a player I think. Can't really shoot. He can rebound pretty well for a guard. That's really it. So why is Patrick Beverly starting, first of all? And why is he playing during crunch time when you need to score? He, he, he's an overrated defender who can't shoot. So if you see him struggling to shoot or just not shooting at all, and then you see him getting killed by Luka in the paint and, you know, at the, at the three-point line, then why is he in the game? He literally brings nothing to your team. I, I don't understand why, why, why Tyron Lue would continue to keep him in the game. Um, and then along with, you know, Patrick Beverly, you have Reggie Jackson, who, why is Reggie Jackson playing 30 minutes a game? I understand that he was the third leading scorer and had a plus minus of, of three. But, you know, why is he playing instead of Rondo? You know, Reggie Jackson can't really play defense and he could shoot okay, but why is he playing over Rondo? This is my main issue. Rondo, you traded for Rondo. You traded Lou Williams to the Atlanta Hawks and got back Rajon Rondo in return. If I had asked Steve Ballmer, or the general manager of the Clippers, I don't know who it is, or the coach, or I've asked anyone, why did the Clippers trade for Rajon Rondo? It was so that he could be a leader in the locker room, but even more importantly, is that he could be the floor general, general and facilitator that that the team desperately needed. So before they traded for him, they had Reggie Jackson and Patrick Beverly as basically the only, and Terrence Mann, I guess, as the only point guards on the team. None of those guys are pure point guards who can run an offense and pat and are pure and are pure passers. Jean Rondo is exactly what that is. So if you don't have good guards, and he's the best point guard on the team, and are and the best passer, and the best facilitator on the team, why? is Rajon Rondo in the playoffs where he's notoriously known to be one of the best, not best performers, but he's known to have his numbers bump up, you know, playoff Rondo. Why then is he only playing 19 minutes a game? Patrick Beverly played 23 minutes a game. Reggie Jackson played 30 minutes a game. 
You couldn't give some of those minutes to playoff Rondo to playoff Rondo because in those 19 minutes when he was on the court in game two, he had four points, shot two for three from the field. So okay score, had two rebounds, had seven assists, and had a plus 13 plus minus, which was the best on the team. In those 19 minutes, the Clippers outscored the, the Mavericks by 13 points. I don't understand if you just if you just look at the stats, just clearly look at the box score. You don't have to read that much into it. That Rajon Rondo has to be on the court for more time for more minutes, and when he is on the court, the Clippers play much much better. And this just in a perfect example of this is what happened last year with the Lakers. Last year in the finals and in the playoffs, Frank Vogel, the coach, he was using Rondo as the end of the game point guard. There were some games where the um where it came down to crunch time, and it was not, you know, um, I don't know, like Alex Crusoe was in the game sometimes, but, you know, it was it was Jean Rondo in the game. And in some playoffs games, he even played 25 to 30 minutes. And so last year, with he, had, he averaged 25 minutes a game in the playoffs. He averaged 9 points, 4 rebounds, and 7 assists, and shot 40% from the 3. And so we saw what happened last year. He had an amazing playoff run, especially in the finals, and he was a huge part. I would say he was probably the Lakers' third best player that entire finals, after LeBron and AD, of course. He was off, coming off the bench playing, you know, sometimes 30 minutes a game, shooting 40% from three, averaging basically 10 and 7, and was a huge part in the Lakers winning the championship. And I don't know why that they won't do the same thing with Rondo on the Clippers because he's basically he's still the same player and he would be making them so much better the Clippers so much better and then along with Rondo not getting minutes you have Serge Ibaka who isn't playing Serge Ibaka who, who they signed to a big deal this offseason yeah he, I think he missed you know around 25 to 30 games um, uh, during the regular season and, and is finally um, healthy now but in game two he only played six minutes if you're coming back from an injury and you're you know a little bit out of out of shape and you need to get back into rhythm. How are you going to get back into rhythm? And how are you going to you know, get back into shape if you're not playing? And if you're not playing, you're only playing six minutes a game. How are you going to be able to get into a rhythm if you're only playing six minutes a game? Ibaka's ba- I think Ibaka is the best center on the team. He can stretch the floor. And he's one of the best, not, not anymore, but he's a great defensive center. And so, you know, instead of playing Ibaka and, you know, playing him that amount of minutes that he deserves and you know less minutes per game uh, than he usually does because you're coming off an injury and again you're out of shape so you can't play 40 minutes a game you know 35 minutes a game but 25 minutes a game 20 minutes a game and you know instead of playing him you know 20 minutes a game you have Ty Lu who's playing Zubac who in the first two games of the Mavs series is a negative 29 so you're not going to get much worse than that so you might as well, if you're Ty Lue, put in Ibaka, get him back into shape, get him back into the rhythm, and, you know, let him play because Zubac obviously isn't working. And so, you know, I just mentioned a bunch of players who play too much, and then there are players who don't play, who play too little, but then you have some players on the Clippers team who don't even play at all. So this offseason, the Clippers, they traded for shooting guard Luke Kennard from the Pistons. Um, and then right after they signed him, they proceeded to give him a four-year extension, uh, which gave him $46 million. Not, it says here, here, but no. Uh, which gave him a $46 million guarantee. So first, let's just start off. 
if you're a casual NBA fan, you don't know who Luke Kennard is. So, you know, that just shows that he should not be getting paid $46 million a year. He's not that good. He's a great shooter, but that's all he does. And so this year, he averaged 19, mil 19, mil he averaged 19 minutes a game, averaging 9 points a game on 44% of shooting from the three-point line. So again, those are pretty good stats for a role player that would, I assume, get paid, you know, $5 million a year, $7 million a year, but definitely not $46 million guaranteed. And so, you know, I think the main issue is that he gets paid too much, uh, but the, I think an, another issue is that he doesn't play in these playoffs. He has zero minutes, you know, zero minutes played. So we talk about dead cap a lot in the NFL and, you know, in the NBA, but like this is literally just waste. They're, they're paying him to do nothing, literally to just sit on the bench during the most important games of the, of the year and just do nothing. And so, you know, I understand he's a defensive liability. He is a short, short and slow guard. But if you're having problems from the three-point line, uh, which the Clippers are, or you also can't, you know, you can't keep up with the scoring of the Mavericks, put in your sharpshooter. Put in your three-point uh, specialist. With the Clippers this year, we're the number one sh uh, three-point shooting team in the league. Why? Because of players like Luke Kennard. And, you know, Paul George, who had a great uh, regular season. So I don't understand the reluctancy to put in these players that are there for exactly what you're struggling in. You have Rondo, you, when you're struggling to move the ball around and score. So you, you put in Rondo to help you with that. Then you have Luke Kennard, who's struggling, uh, the team's struggling to shoot and to keep up with the scoring. You put in the pure score and three-point specialist. And I didn't even mention this guy yet, but, you know, again, Zubac is negative 29. And Ibaka is only playing six minutes a game, and he's injured. So put in DeMarcus Cousins. He's a good defensive setter. He can rebound, and he can shoot a little. Yes, he's slow. And again, he's a good defensive player, but a little bit of a liability when it comes to the pick and roll and running down the court. But again, things aren't working for this team. So you have to try new things out. Um, and so, and you know, the, they always say, you know, the biggest Clippers fan that I know. Skip Bayless, we're the deepest team in the league, he always says. But you're using your bench terribly. You're not playing your bench players the right amount of time that they deserve to. So it doesn't matter if you have, you know, 13 All-Stars on your team. If you don't play them, or not 13, that's a bad example. You know, it doesn't matter if you have, you know, 10 All-Stars on your team. Or just It doesn't matter if you have a, such a, a really deep team. Because if you don't play them at the right time with the right personnel... Um, and you know, giving them you know that amount, giving them a solid amount of minutes to get into a rhythm, it's not going to matter who you have because they're just not playing. So I think the Clippers and Tyron Lue have a lot to figure out. Game three is on Friday. They're going to Dallas. I'm not going to say hopefully they figure out. I would love for the Clippers to get swept again. I don't like them. I don't like the, you know their black uniforms, their bad boy type vibe um, when they're really I think pretty mediocre. Um, uh, so yeah, hopefully they lose on, on Friday and hopefully they lose on Sunday, but they're coming back to Dallas. Um, hopefully, again, not hopefully. Let's see if they can win. Um, and again, another, I think another problem with the team is the, is the, um, I don't know, the, the nonchalantness, I guess you would say, of the players and specifically the coach. You see in the post-game interview after game two, is there any pressure for you guys to, you know, 
uh, for you guys in the next game. Paul Drew says, no pressure whatsoever. How are you going to say that when you just lost two games in a row at your home court and got and got 18 three-points flashing your face? And then the coach says the same thing. Not a lot of pressure. You know, we're just going to go to, you know, Dallas and, and do our job. That is not, that does not lift the, the team up when when you're down 2-0. LeBron, down 1-0 to the Suns. He's rallying his team. Him and AD. AD's in the gym for hours after practice, they said. He's not taking it, you know, oh, no pressure at all. No, if you're down 2-0 to Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, you're probably not going to get come back. But no, they took it personally, and they got ready for game two, and they came back, and they won, and they're going to win the series now. I don't think the Clippers are going to win this series now because they're down 2-0. And so that's what happens when you have arrogant players who don't play well together and a coach who has bad rotations. So the Clippers, again, got to play on Friday. Hope, again, not hopefully, but let's see if they can get a win. And if they don't, I think Kawhi Leonard is out of there and I think the Clippers are done because they don't have their first their first round pick till 2027. So... Clippers fans, you better hope they win on Friday. And yeah, that is the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitter, and Instagram. That just helps the channel grow um, a lot. Uh, And thank you guys so much for listening, and goodbye.